Hi, I'm Doug Olenek, news editor at Information Security Media Group. And today I am happy to welcome into our studio from Kroll's cyber risk sector, Brian Lapidus, managing director and global breach notification leader, and Heather Williams, associate managing director. Kroll's latest data breach report had some pretty interesting figures, I thought, uh, such as that you saw an overall 140% increase in data breach notification cases up from 2019 to 2020, and that for certain industries, um, they're, they're just being hit at a higher rate. So I'm gonna just dive in with a, a very broad question uh, that both of you would be great if you would answer. And that is, what to you stood out in this year's report? So one of the things that I've seen always since I've been in this space is that cyber criminals seem to stay one step ahead, be it one step ahead in terms of techniques to steal data or what I think we saw this year is they were staying one step ahead and targeting what I'll call a less traditional industry, making some assumptions that they're that they are lacking some best security practices that would help them reduce their risk of a cyber attack. So by staying one step ahead of what we'll call more common industries, which we've also seen a pickup on, but just it's more normal course of business, was this change to a uh, less targeted industries. Heather, how about you? Yeah, I mean, I would agree with everything that you said, Brian, and um, maybe just add that, you know, as we all know, these cyber criminals are very savvy, and they're only getting savvier. And I think that they're really kicking it up a notch in areas where, there industries that are still critical to our infrastructure in different ways and may not have been, you know, the ones that are most mature and have uh, as much budget to spend on closing gaps in their security. So seeing some of these uh, lesser targeted industries emerge, it was certainly surprising to me. Now, with, with uh, th- those thoughts in mind, um, some of the figures that, uh, that were given out for the industries that suffered greatly uh, last year, uh, the report cited the food and beverage industry, as well as the construction industry, well above uh, the others, you know, the others that you had mentioned in, in your report. Now, are, are these some of those industries that you feel cyber criminals were specifically targeting because they thought they might be low hanging fruit? Definitely, definitely lower hanging fruit. They're, these are not organizations that are necessarily heavily regulated. And because they're less regulated, you know, the assumption I think some of the criminals are making is they are, some of the cyber criminals are making is there's less preventative measures put in place, which make them an easier target. Do you believe that was actually true? I mean, are they an easier target? Um, I think, I think they're less regulated. I think there are, and, and they're less prominent. So do I think they're an easier target? Data would, you know, our data would indicate that, that those organizations saw a huge hit comparative to past years of things that we have seen. Do I think that this became a wake-up call for some industries to realize that it's not always going to be financial services and healthcare? Absolutely. And and how much of this uh, do you folks believe was related to COVID-19, if any? I think, I'm trying to think of the best way to answer this. I think when it it wouldn't have been COVID-19 that would have been the driver for, for it, but it certainly allowed for there were a lot of changes in 2020, right? So you had people shift and work from home on on a global on, on a global scale on a global scale that allowed for for a shift, right? Because everyone's working from home, you know, a lot of organizations did not have 
the protocol and the procedures to make that flip. We were always prepared to go remote. So when we moved as a business, our teams being remote, we knew exactly what we were doing. We had the protocols in place. We had security by design into our processes and protocols, where as other organizations probably had not planned for this ahead of time and had to do it quickly, which inherently left some exposures. I mean, one of the one of the other things that that we saw, it was in our analysis that we did earlier in the year with a few partners, one of the big takeaways because of working from home was there was a reduction in endpoint visibility due to employees working from home, which reduced the ability for an organization to see where all their endpoints were to understand what was being compromised and when. So that shift is an, was an indicator, you know, had an impact on organization's ability to protect itself and to reduce the, to reduce the chances that it would be breached. Any, anything you would like to add, Heather? Yeah, listen, I, I think that, you know, human error is something that we've always seen to be a common, you know, one of the top reasons that data breaches happen. It, it never goes away. Um, and I think that, you know, COVID-19 probably further exacerbated that. People were out of their element. You know, they're working from home and uh, with a different setup and maybe moving too quickly. I also think COVID-19 put a massive strain on the systems that people use uh, in order to conduct business day to day. The report also cites how the, the newfangled uh, technique of ransomware extortion and also with SolarWinds and everything else in new s- supply chain attacks are now impacting data breach numbers. Can you go into that a little bit? In, in what way is this happening? So, you know, my point of view is I don't I don't think it supplants I don't think it supplants the other data breach numbers, but I think criminals again they're staying ahead of they're trying to stay ahead of they're trying to stay ahead of the trends. They're trying to go places where people don't expect them, and they also benefit from having things complex and having the requirements uh, and, and having their targets, having their targets have additional exposure unbeknownst to sort of the typical, I'm going to take your data and I'm going to hold it as ransomware. So, you know, one of the things, one of the trends that we've also seen is a focus on third-party breaches. So, or, tar- you know, cyber criminals targeting a third party who has, is holding data of another organization that makes it that much more complicated for that third party to fulfill their regulatory requirement. Not that the criminals care about that, but it makes it more complicated. And so that that requirement to get a response, that ability to get a response out there is different and it makes it slower, which gives the cyber criminals more time to address the, you know, to leverage the data that they've exposed or to hold out that that organization is going to pay the ransom to get their data back. Now, uh, conversely, the numbers are also being impacted from the other side, not the criminal side, but from the legal side. Uh, and, and, and you were saying in the report how you know, stricter privacy regulations and just in general, the higher awareness of privacy rights are, are having an impact. I have to think that this is a good idea that the numbers are, are being shown for once, but um, what's, what are your thoughts on that? Heather, you want to take that one first? Sure. Happy to. No, I'm happy to. Um, you know, I think that we talk about this a lot in the context of globalization, right? Globalization of data, globalization of business. Um, I think companies are holding data, uh, impacting uh, individuals or company clients from all over the world, right? With the global economy, right? And people operating in a fashion where they're, they're, they might be domiciled in one country, but they have data from uh, organizations or individuals from many different countries. 
And I think that creates complexity in their ability to understand how an incident can impact their obligations, right? So not only are there more privacy regulations, but it's increasing, increasingly complex to be able to interpret those in the context of how are you doing business? What type of data are you holding? Um, and what does that obligate you to do? Yeah, I mean, I think the only other piece I would add to, to that, I think the global nature is really important. I think the other piece is organizations, I think, who do have a have a breach are learning that the more upfront that they, they are and the more focused they are on providing a meaningful solution to those impacted and also you know, reacting and addressing the regulatory issues surrounding whatever their data exposure is, the better they do sort of both, <laughs> the better they do in the court of public appeal. And so while the focus on the legislation is important because it's driving, it may be increasing the companies that are coming forward publicly around their breach, I think it's also uh, an ability for them to redirect the conversation around the fact that they are protecting their data, they're responding when they have a compromise, and they are often using this as a reset to increase their uh, spend and programming around uh, cybersecurity to reduce that risk from happening again. Maybe we could go like just dive into the, the numbers a little a, a little bit here. As I stated uh, you know, earlier, the report did mention how there was overall 140% increase in, uh, in attacks year over year. You want to go into some of the specifics there of what you saw? At this point, yeah, I mean, I think we can we can pick we can pick. Why don't we pick two industries and we can get, sort of talk about the number of events, just so you can you can see you know, those two pieces. And I think where we're going to focus is on agriculture and and construction as sort of the two industries. So, from an agricultural perspective, we had four cases that we handled in 2019, and in 2020, we were at 28. So you can see a pretty big jump there. And then in construction, we went from two to 18. So those are pretty big leaps from an industry-wide perspective. But I think what's even more interesting, to be honest with you, Doug, is the fact that the 21 numbers are already over 50% of where both of those were in 2020. So you know, that, that growth is continuing. And I think we locked these numbers down in April. So four months into the year, both agriculture and construction were over 50% of where they were in 2021. Under agriculture, per se, was there a particular area they were going for? Was it processing plants like we just saw with JBS or, or was it another se- segment of that industry? It, it really was all across the board. So we, we weren't able to just narrow that down to one in particular, but, you know, um, I think we've, we've seen, you know, I think we've all seen the big things happening in the market and we're watching that really closely as well. I think there's clearly an intersection uh, when it comes with agriculture in particular with, you know, supply chain and some of the um, operational systems that it takes in order to, you know, distribute agricultural products across the nation, right? And that's, you know, a critical component of our infrastructure. It was buried in the data that we saw so far, but um, I think it's interesting to watch things play out. Now, before we leave 2020, uh, are there any other aspects of the report that you'd like to to highlight? I, I think the biggest takeaway from my point of view is the switch in industries, you know, for 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 a really long time, it only focused a lot of our a lot of what we saw was solely focused on regulated industry, and to see this pivot away by no means is a is an indicator that those regulated industries are 
no longer at risk because they are getting hit equally as hard as they always have been. But the diversification of that mix just goes to show that the cyber criminals are, you know, they continue to expand their bag of tricks and go places where they think they can either cause disruption, gain income, or gain access to credentials and data that would provide additional gains for themselves or the organizations that they're a part of. Yeah, I would just echo more of the same. I think we've we've heard about those regulated industries for a long time, um, and it certainly you know that that trend continues. But to see some of the jumps in numbers uh, relative to some of these unregulated industries was something that was really surprising to us. And I think that'll take me to my last point here. You gave us a, a little bit of insight in what's uh, taking place so far in 2021. But uh, what do you see happening throughout the rest of the coming year? I think more of the same. <laughs> I think, I think you know, it, it's unclear as people go back to work what that's going to look like. It's unclear if people do go back to work and we have another variant if people end up shifting home again. I think the landscape of how we all work is now forever changed. I think organizations are going to have to put more, they're going to have to figure out how do they um, account for these changes um, and make sure that they have the right levels of security and both physical security and cybersecurity to protect the assets that they have, given that they're not going to ever be in the same building all the time again. So I think, I think for me, that's the, that's the biggest shift. And I think we'll still continue to see the diversification of industry from a breach perspective, what, what cyber criminals have gained this year in terms of attention, as well as, you know, potential profits from targeting different industries. Um, You can pretty much turn on the news every day and see the impact of what they're getting. Um, So I don't, I don't see them turning away from that. There has been a lot of profit made uh, by the bad guys, that's for sure. And, and Heather, what does uh, your crystal ball indicate? Um, uh, just one additional point of emphasis for me. I think, um, you know, the way that these organizations uh, pursue and secure their relationships with, you know, any third parties that they're working with, I think that um, that'll be really, really important. I think, you know, we see a lot of uh, events occur, you know, at the intersection of where two organizations have a relationship and how how those third party relationships um, come to be can play such an important role in, um, you know, the points of uh, risk for an organization. So I would just say, uh, we'll probably see more if I had a crystal ball, we'll probably see more of those types of breaches impacted by third party relationships. All right, then. And with that, I think we will end our, our chat for the day. I want to thank Brian and Heather for their time today and for leading us through the uh, for leading us through Kroll's latest data breach report. So for ISMG, I'm Doug Olenek.